Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Activate Podcast. I am excited today to talk to you about activating the whole team. Activating the whole team is really near and dear to my heart. So let's pray and we'll get right into the Word of God. Jesus, I thank you for your love for us, that it is complete and whole, and that, God, you give us everything that we need to live life and to live it your way. I thank you for your promises. I thank you for salvation. I thank you for all the love that you have lavished so greatly on each one of us. And I pray today that our hearts and our minds would be open to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Okay, so today we're talking about everybody builds together, everyone included on the team that God has established to pour out his gospel on planet earth. And so we're going to look at uh, 1 Corinthians 1.17. 1 Corinthians 1.17 says, if I used worldly wisdom to tell the good news, the cross of Christ would lose its power. If I used worldly wisdom to tell the good news, then the cross of Christ would lose its power. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking about how um, he doesn't use fancy words or play tricks with your mind or tell you what you want to hear in order to get you or convince you to believe. He doesn't use worldly understanding. He uses a spiritual understanding. If he used his words and his influence, then the power of the cross would be lost in manipulation. And uh, this is very true. The gospel is is spiritual. The mind of Christ is spiritual. The things of God are spiritual. We can't go about them as the world goes about things. Uh, the gospel is a spiritual truth, and our, our spirits have to understand that. That's why we, we are when we say we're born again, we're born again into a spiritual understanding. It, it, we are dead to sin, and we are alive in Christ. We are alive, and our spirit nature comes alive. So the gospel is spiritual. We serve a God who opens up the sea. He brings the dead to life. He makes beauty out of ashes. He purifies us through trials. He seeks out the needy and the poor and the sick to make them great. He says the first are the last and the last are the first. The cross of Christ does not hold hands with our human knowledge. It is spiritual. The cross of Christ, the perfect son of God, dying and being made fun of, ridiculed, rejected, does not equal our wisdom. That's a spiritual act. That's a spiritual thing, and we need spiritual eyes to understand it. Godly wisdom is what formed the church. And I'm talking about the church as a whole, not just a, a, a one gathering of believers or one denomination, but the big C, the, the church, the global church. That's a spiritual thing that God created for us. Our wisdom, our, our own wisdom, our worldly wisdom would say that I will follow Christ and I will change the world and I will use my greatness And I can do this with Christ in me. But God's wisdom says, no, be planted in the house of God. It says, no, come together with other people and do this great work, which I've said for you guys to do from the beginning of time. So the church, the bride of Christ, the church is God's idea that we would work together to accomplish the good news of the gospel going into all the earth. In John 13, 34, it says, you will be known, you will be known by your love for one another. That doesn't happen individually. That happens as a body of believers. That happens as a community together. First Peter 2 says, love each other deeply from the heart. Love God and love others. We can't love others by ourselves. We need to love others by 
being with others. And the establishment of the church, the spiritual idea of a global church, the spiritual idea of making us brothers and sisters in Christ is beyond our understanding. But we have to come under the submission to God's plan and His leadership and come under this idea of a church so that we can truly love others by being with others. We spread the gospel. We live for Christ when we all work together as a team. Imagine you had a soccer team and you were the coach of a soccer team and the other team shows up and their 12 players come on the field and you decide you're only going to send out six. You're not going to send out 12 like them. You're only going to send out six and you're going to try to win this soccer match six on 12. Well, the odds are stacked against you, isn't it? The, the odds are um, that as you compete for this championship or this win against this other team, that you may lose, right? Because why would you leave six people on the bench? Why would you leave half your team there watching when they're there and capable of working? Um, it, it doesn't make any sense. Many times we do this in the church. We only use some people. We may say some uh, of you are able to, but you sit here and watch. And the enemy is excited as he watches half of our team on the bench, unengaged and not part of the action. The enemy is rejoicing over the fact that you're not sending everybody out on the field. When in reality, the church is um, supposed to be unity among diversity. So we're diverse in who we are and our giftings and our talents, and we all have a place and and a a purpose, but we're unified. And so what God designed for us is that we would all in our different giftings work together to accomplish the goal of spreading the gospel and loving each other. But what we've done is we've said, we only want a certain kind. Instead of being a full body, we only want, uh, say the hands and the feet, and we don't want the rest of the body or, or any other part of the body that you can come up with. We're, we're taking part of the body and we're saying, we don't want you. We don't want everyone engaged. We only want some people engaged. And I want to talk today about how to, um, incorporate everyone so that the bride of Christ, the church of God can be engaging. It can be um, defeating the enemy. So we are a full team. We are not half a team, but a full team. And a verse that I absolutely love, the eyes of the Lord search the earth, looking for one whose heart is completely his. He wants to make them strong. In Luke 10 2, it says, there are many people to be harvested or saved but there are only a few workers to harvest them. God, listen to this, owns the harvest. Pray to God that he will send more workers to help gather his harvest. We need everyone to participate. If the goal is to harvest or save or spread the good news or go into all the world and preach the gospel, we need everyone participating. We, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We need more people. So why wouldn't we use the people that we have? The harvest belongs to God. Again, this is a spiritual thing. God owns the, har- the harvest. It's too spiritual for our human understanding. God owns And we work as tools, as a weapon, as hands and feet. We are filled with the Spirit of God. He owns the harvest. And all we do is walk in obedience to Him. And He will bring the harvest to us. So the people that need to hear about Him, He will bring us us understanding of who to go to and what to do. And so 
we need everyone participating. If this is if this is our goal, if our goal is to harvest souls for the kingdom, if our goal, like in Luke 10, is to go to this harvest that God owns and collect it, then we need everyone participating. We're going to take a look at Acts chapter 2, and we are going to start right in verse 17. In Acts chapter 2, we have the disciples all gathered and praying, and we have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Peter stood up with the 11 apostles, and in a loud voice he spoke to the crowd, My fellow Jews and all of those who are in Jerusalem, listen to me. Pay attention to what I have to say. These men are not drunk, as you think. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. But Joel the prophet wrote about what is happening here today. God says, In the last days I will pour out my spirit freely to all kinds of people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. At that time, I will give my spirit even to my servants, both men and women, and they will prophesy. I will show miracles in the sky and on earth, blood, fire, and thick smoke. The sun will become dark. The moon will become red as blood, and the great and glorious day of the Lord will come. Then anyone who asks the Lord for help will be saved. And then Peter says this, Right here, this prophecy from Joel is happening today. It's happening today. So what he was saying is the Holy Spirit was being poured out. This Holy Spirit um, was active in the Old Testament, but now is taking a forefront here in the New Testament and in today. But in the Old Testament, we see that the Holy Spirit was on people like Moses as he led people out of of slavery. The Holy Spirit was on the prophets, on Samuel and Deborah and Jeremiah and Isaiah and on John the Baptist. The Holy Spirit was on Samson, giving him strength, and on Solomon to give him wisdom. The Holy Spirit was on King David, giving him a heart like God's and understanding. And then uh, we see that the Holy Spirit is now poured out today. And who is it poured out on? It is poured out on men and women, slave and free. It's poured out on everyone. And we look at the example of the soccer team. It's not just poured out on some. Now the Holy Spirit is poured out on everyone, not just on specific people like Moses and Samson, but the Spirit of God is available to every believer. And what does the scripture say that the people who are filled with the Holy Spirit will do? They will prophesy that your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Prophesy means speaking on behalf of God, listening to the Lord, and then proclaiming the Lord's words to other people. It says that your daughters will do that. We look at 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And if we look and we say that all scripture is useful, then we have to look back at the Old Testament and see what it says. And we have to look at the New Testament and see what it says. And we have to look at the whole picture. We can't just take certain verses out of scripture and pinhole them and, and make a whole theology out of one scripture and take it out of context and take it out of, out of the whole big picture. So I want to look at the big picture of scripture and how it talks about the daughters of God. First of all, it says that, that man and women, we were both, both created in God's image. I, as a woman, was created in the image of God. Now, God is not male or female as we know male or female. He is spirit, but he has characteristics of a female and a male. 
And I was created as a woman in the image of God Almighty. He breathed life into me, the same as he breathed into Adam. Let's take a look at um, what what God uh, purposefully allowed to be in the Bible about women in the Old Testament. Now, you look at Old Testament women and the role of, of females was not elevated, but it was females were beneath males in every aspect of life. But here's what Old Testament women, it was recorded and it, it's on purpose because Timothy tells us that all scripture is useful. So we look at uh, the, the lives of women in the Old Testament. Old Testament women saved the lives of infants, led people in praise, prophesied, judged hard matters, made decisions in leading the country, carried out God's plan, radically def- defended culture in order to show love and respect, prayed prayers that changed nations, made wise decisions, acted to save people, prophesied, stood up to the king of all the land and asked him to spare her people, prophesied. And then we look at what New Testament women did. New Testament women believed when God spoke and trusted his radical plan, raised a son who changed the world, prophesied, preached, gave money, had church in their home, helped the poor, poured themselves out in praise to Jesus, sat and listened to Jesus' teaching, followed Jesus, were leaders in the church, were leaders in the church, followed Jesus, served, told the whole village that the Savior had come, and they prophesied. All in all, we see women in the Old Testament and the New Testament, they were active. They were active active. They were included in the Bible because God wanted us to to see that they were involved. We have plenty of examples of women who have lived lives that impacted the world around them. Women need to be activated to serve. They are the teammates that are so many times overlooked. When we looked at the big picture of, of scripture, Paul, the apostle did not overlook him, overlook women. He talks about Priscilla and her husband, Aquila, and that's how he always mentions them, Priscilla and her husband, not the other way around, but he elevates her. Why? Because he kept saying uh, again and again through Romans and Romans uh, 16 and different places that Priscilla was working alongside of him and helping the church and teaching. And then he talks about in Romans 16, he tells the church to welcome Phoebe. She is a deaconess in the church. Then later on, he talks about Junius, who has preached alongside of him and even went to prison with him. He talks about Persis, uh, who says, Greet also Persis, as she has worked very hard for the Lord. Lydia was a leader who financially provided for Paul and the apostles. And it says that she had um, much wealth and much influence on the people around her, and she used that influence for the Lord. Paul didn't overlook women. He, In fact, in uh, Corinthians, he says, when you pray, women, when you prophesy. And we see the scripture in Joel that says his sons and his daughters will prophesy. Prophecy is not a passive thing. Prophecy is not um, something that's not leadership qualities. Leadership is prophesying. And so we have all these women who worked on a team with Paul, and Paul had women working alongside of him. So we look at the, the, the big picture, and we see women were active. We see Paul's opinion of women was that they should be in service, and he recommends them to the churches as deaconesses and as preachers. Then we look at Jesus's view on women. He announced the very birth of himself. God announced the very birth of Jesus to a woman first, to Mary. 
You know, and many times in the Old Testament too, we look at Samson's mom and the angel appeared to Samson's mom and says, you're going to have a baby. So she goes back and tells her husband, like, I've been visited by an angel. And um, he says, well, why didn't the angel visit me? So then she, she prays and the angel comes again, but comes to her when she's in a field all by herself. And she says, hold on, let me get my husband because, you know, he's going to want to see this, goes and gets her husband. Why would God record that so specifically in the Bible? I think that the, that the God of the universe loves all people. I think he loves women, and I think he purposefully has included us in his story, not as secondary, but as a major part of the plan that he has. When he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, I don't think he he said, men, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That great commission is for every woman on this planet. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. So he announces his birth to Mary. He healed women. He let people like Mary and Martha sit at his feet and be taught by him. This was revolutionary. This was uh, forward thinking in that time. Women were not educated in the same way that we are today. And he allowed them to learn from him and just sit at his feet and be discipled by him. Why would you be discipled if you were not supposed to turn that around and give that to somebody else? So I, I really believe he discipled people on purpose so that they would go and disciple other people. He talked to the woman at the well. And he, he used her to go and announce that the Son of God had arrived. And that woman at the well went to her whole village and proclaimed, the Son of God is here. She was the very first, quote-unquote, evangelist that we see. And then after that, uh, history tells us that she went into Africa and into Asia, and she and her sisters went and spread the gospel uh, to other countries. So God used her in a mighty way. And that portion of scripture is there on purpose. And even his disciples were, why are you talking to a woman and a Samaritan at that? But that's the spiritual knowledge of God. He he spiritually designed the church to be a body of believers, and he spiritually uh, put things in the Bible on purpose. And this account of the woman at the well is on purpose. We can't over, uh, we can't afford to overlook women. Women are a part of the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says, All of you together are the body of Christ. Each of you is part of that body. Likewise, men are are all to be actively serving in the body of Christ. There's not one person that's left out. We are supposed to all go into all the world and preach the gospel. Every man, woman, and child. And when we think about even children, uh, Jesus is very specific in including children. And in Matthew, uh, Jesus quotes Psalms, and he says that the praise of infants and children was ordained to bring glory to God. And this is when Jesus was in the temple, and there were children outside praising Jesus. Well, he's in the temple, and and the Pharisees and the Sadducees are super mad at this, and they want the children to be quiet. And that's when Jesus said, I've ordained this. I've ordained this from the beginning of time that I would use these children to bring forth my praises. So he created each of us on purpose and with a purpose. Every child, every woman, every man, every one of us need to rise up and be an active part of the body of Christ. There's not one of us that should be left out of uh, out of this. There's not one of us that is excused from service or is secondary. We all need to be active in our faith. In 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking about the church, and I think it's it's no accident how it's worded here. It says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers, here it is, and sisters, 
Why would he address Anne's sisters if women were not supposed to be knowledgeable about the gifts of the Spirit? He says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. He wants to inform sisters. He wants to inform women. He says, you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were uninformed and influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit says Jesus be cursed, and no one say Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that same spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the works of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines unity and diversity in the body. Each one. That means every man and every woman, and there's unity, but also diversity. And just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given to the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not be for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. We are all part of God's action plan. We all have an action role. We can't have any sleepers. We can't have anyone uh, that says, I'm not going to function. I'm not going to work because we all need to work because the harvest is plentiful and the worker is you. It's me. It's all of us. We can't bench half of our team. We can't say anyone is invaluable. Everyone is valuable from the toe to the head. We are all valuable and we all have a part to play. You know, the Holy Spirit is poured out on Moses and on Abraham and on Samson and on David and on Deborah and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Hosea. And now the Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit with the power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. 
And there is no one under heaven or earth that can take you away from the love of Christ. You are securely fashioned into this plan. You are securely fashioned into the body of Christ, of believers, of the church, of the bride of Christ without spot or wrinkle, and you need to be active. And there's no one that should be put on a bench and told not to be active because we all have a part to play. The harvest is God's. The harvest is plentiful. And he says, come and and reap the harvest. Bring people into my kingdom. Why are we putting people on the bench? Why are we saying we don't need you? We don't have enough people as it is. We need every man every woman, every child. We are all ambassadors for Christ. All ambassadors for Christ. We are all ambassadors for Christ. I want to just name some of the women in the Bible because it's so easy to forget. It's so easy to say that this is a a man's religion or uh, it favors men over women, and it's just not true because God loves people. He loved the whole world. He sent his son in for the Jews and the non-Jews, the slaves, the free, the men, the women, and the children. You have Jochebed, who was uh, Moses' mom and saved her, saved Moses from death. She took a risk and saved her son. You've got Shapira and Pura, the midwives who stood for life in Exodus. They wanted to kill the infants, and these two midwives said, stood up to the king and said, No, we 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 serve God before we serve you. And they chose not to kill uh, the babies in Egypt. You have Zipporah, who was Moses' wife, who stood in the gap and circumcised her son when they when the anger of the Lord was poured out on Moses. You have Elishiba, Aaron's wife, Miriam, Moses' sister, who was a prophetess, who led the people in praise. You have Deborah, who was a married woman who judged men and women and called for war. You have Jael, who killed the enemy of God and judges for. You have Samson's mom, visited by an angel. You have Ruth, who stayed with her mother-in-law. You have Hannah, who prayed and brought up the prophet Samuel. You have Abigail, who saved her people and became the wife of King David. You have Huldah, who was a prophetess. And you have Esther, who saved her whole nation. You have Isaiah's wife, who also prophesied. They call her the prophetess. Uh, In the New Testament, you have Mary, Jesus's mom. You have Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mom. You have Anna, the prophetess, waiting in the temple. You have Junia, a preacher, in Romans 16, 7. You have Lydia, who gave money, held church, and baptized people in her home, from Acts 16. You have Tabitha, who they said was always doing good and helping the poor. Mary Magdalene, who poured perfume on Jesus's feet, listened as he taught. You have Mary and Martha. You have Mary, an early Christian in Romans 16, you have Phoebe, a deaconess. You have Priscilla, a leader in the church who worked alongside Paul in Acts 18.2, Romans 16.4, 1 Corinthians 16.19, and 2 Timothy 4.19. You have Joanna and Susanna who followed Jesus in Acts 3. You have Judah and Synthes who served alongside Paul in sharing the gospel, and that's in Philippians 4. You have the woman at the well in John 4.1, and you have Philip's daughters, his four daughters who were prophets in uh, Acts 21.9. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are chosen people. You are the king's priests. You are a holy nation. You are a nation that belongs to God alone. God chose you to tell about the wonderful things he has done. He called you out of darkness and into his glorious light. God's church is a spiritual church. God's ways are spiritual ways, and they are higher than human understanding. And he calls both men and women and children into active service every day. And there is a place for everyone. 
We don't need half a team. We need a full team because our job is to defeat the enemy of our souls. Our job is to wage war, not against flesh and blood, but about powers and principalities of this dark world. And we are overcomers because we have the strength of God. And I believe that we need to activate every person. We have a job to do, and we can't do it with half a team. We can't do it with people sitting by, not joining in. And so today, the call is for every woman to not make excuses, for every woman to step up and be part of the body of Christ, and to actively serve, and to actively preach, and to teach, and to give, and to call out to those who are lost and say, come back to Jesus. It is uh, the job of children to raise up, to be missionaries in their schools, to talk about the love of Christ, to sing forth the praises of God because God ordained them to praise Him. Our children are able to receive the gifts of the Spirit as well and to teach one another and to preach and to prophesy. And men as well, there's no man that's exempt from the body of Christ. Every single one needs to be active in doing the work of the ministry. And we need to do the work of the ministry everywhere we are. We all have a part to play. There's no one exempt. There's no one exempt. We are all to be active for the Lord. I would encourage you to take a look at your own heart and say, is there anyone that I have said is not important? Is there anyone that I have said really shouldn't be part of the team? And I would re-examine God's view, God's big view, the big picture of how he looks at humanity, how he looks at men, how he looks at women and children and slaves and free, and that there be no sense of seniority of one person over another, but we are all brothers and sisters in Christ, that we are all of royal priesthood called to bring forth the praises of God. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for giving us life, for breathing life into our very lungs. The the breath that we have in our lungs comes from you. I thank you that you've given us life, and you've also given us life abundantly. I thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit. I thank you for that verse in in Joel and, and, and said again in Acts that you've poured your spirit out on your sons and on your daughters. You've poured your spirit out on men and women, slave and free, child. You've poured out your spirit on all of us. And I pray that, God, you would activate our hearts, that we would not sit idly by and listen to excuses or or bad theologies, but we would begin to serve you with everything that's within us, that, God, we could go out and we could share your gospel and we could harvest. It's your harvest, Lord. It belongs to you. So help us, God, to, to harvest. Help us not to look down on anyone else, but to include everyone in the body of believers. Thank you for your church. It's a spiritual idea. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to hear more Activate podcasts, you can search Jillian Pelkey on soundcloud.com, on YouTube, or on iTunes. It is my prayer that the Activate podcast would help us to activate our faith by exploring the Word of God and would help us to activate our very lives by obeying God and by loving others. Thanks for listening.